okay, can I just get into the interview already? Like, I am so excited. No? Okay, fine. Hi, Titans, and welcome back to another episode of the CSUF Podcast, a show where we chat about all things CSUF. As always, I'm your host, Mirabelle Isaias. What happens when men of color get vulnerable and talk about their feelings? Doctoral student and senior program coordinator of CSUF's Male Success Initiative, George W. Parker, and I are giving you the rundown on how these guys open up, embrace their weaknesses, and become vulnerable with each other and the rest of the world. This week, we are chatting about why men are scared to ask for help, teaching men how to be confident enough to respect, listen, and learn from the women in their lives, supporting male success, and answering the question, what does it mean to be a man? Well, what are we waiting for? Let's get into this convo. Take it away, George. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing well, how are you? I'm doing great, thank you so much for I have a prick in my neck, actually. Have you seen <laughs> Aladdin? Robin Williams is like, 10,000 years, and it's gonna be such a crick in the neck. That's exactly yeah. how I feel right now. <laughs> We're gonna get through it, it'll be great. Okay. <laughs> so would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, so my name is George Parker. I'm the Senior Program Coordinator of the Male Success Initiative at California State University, Fullerton. I have worked for CSU for three years full-time three and a half years full-time wow yeah the time has flown by and you've always been in the male success initiative yes previously i was a graduate student i got my master's from cal state fullerton and i worked for the african-american resource center as a grad assistant since working full-time i only work for msi that's fantastic are you ready to get into these questions yeah let's do it very excited okay what are some resources that the msi has created in order to support male success there's a number of different resources that we've created for one we have a your mentorship program we can incorporate students who join our opt-in program which is called the fellows program so we kind of designed it so that way they can also participate as well so when students become msi fellows we assign them a peer mentor so that they have that additional peer support we recently just hired an academic advisor so any student who's a part of our program can get academic advising and it's a much smaller caseload than the entire campus we have a center on campus which is the first of its kind of cal state fullerton where it's an inclusive space of all students but the imagery and the messages conveyed in the space are definitely catered for men of color so that they can be unapologetically themselves in the space. Two of the that I'm most proud of, first is our brother to brother retreat, which unfortunately was virtual last year. Everybody's really excited. We wanna be able to have the retreat in person because more than any other program, more than any other event each year, the brotherhood retreat is what solidifies students' commitment to our program because we have hard conversations about what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a man of color? And how of our lived experiences kind of shape that and is that the kind of men we want to be as far as dressing we have students who are in the closet about their sexuality we have students who are afraid to be perceived in certain lights like we had a student one year who said that he was afraid to eat fried chicken on campus as a black person because he didn't want to be seen as a stereotype even though he loved food so it's things like that having those conversations and talking about how it's okay to be unapologetically themselves it's one of the most beautiful programs that we put on it's a three-day weekend event and we did do it virtual last year and then the final thing that we do which i'm most proud of because it's something that i kind of built from scratch it's called the gathering and it's our end of year culminating event where we recognize all and i mean all men of color on campus who achieve a 3.0 or higher gpa who are graduating that year it's something that's available to the campus you shouldn't have to wait to the end of four years five years six years to be recognized one day no every step of the way you should be acknowledged about the journey because these are benchmarks right and so we do this recognition of every level of 
of their time at Kelsey Fullerton to make sure that we see you. Your journey matters and you matter. That's so fantastic thinking like, your journey matters because yeah. we always think of the end goal. Thing. And something that I've been talking about in every single podcast yeah. that I've done with people is like staying present and just like celebrating yes. every single day because getting through and getting up every single day is so difficult. Oh, yeah. So that's fantastic. And I've heard a lot of really great things the retreat because I've heard that you guys really get into emotions and really talk about what it means to be a man, which is something extremely interesting and so fascinating. And one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you, I just finished Justin Baldoni's book, okay. Anana. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it. I haven't had a chance to pick it up. It's fantastic. It's extremely vulnerable. Justin is not a man of color, but okay. he talks a lot about vulnerability and the underlying ideas of where toxic masculinity comes from and how it's taught in our society. So I highly recommend it. It's fantastic. And it's actually one of the reasons why I wanted to talk. So my next question is, does the MSI discuss and teach men how to be confident enough to respect, listen, and learn from the women in their lives? Yes, we do. It's not always directly or explicitly stated, but I make it a point to make sure that our students know that if it were not for, in particular, the women of color, not just in our lives, but at Cal State Fullerton, our department wouldn't even exist. Dr. Mildred Garcia, former president of Cal State Fullerton, was actually the former president of Cal State Dominguez Hills, and she gave some seed money to, at the time, the associate vice president, and he built their male success alliance program. And it's huge now. I mean, it used to be because, you know, Fullerton is catching up, but it used to be the premier men of color program. And then Dr. Garcia came to Cal State Fullerton. She saw the success with just a little bit of seed money. And she spoke to Dr. Don Person over at Reel on campus and said, I need you to basically do a campus-wide climate study. And I want you to get us the justification to build a program like Dominguez Hills here. And so Dr. Don Person, she went in, she did research, she held focus group with a bunch of students and idea of this program originally stemmed from a black male support program. But being that Cal State Fullerton is a diverse institution and specifically a Hispanic serving institution, we need to broaden that scope. So that's where we got the ability to build out a male of color initiative. Like it started with the idea to support black men, but then when they were looking at the data, our Asian men were not graduating at the same rate as their female counterparts. So it's like, oh, okay, so this is a men of color issue. This is not just a black male issue. So that's what really bred this program out. I make sure that our students know the history of the program. Like, yes, it's designed to support men of color, but you have to understand it's the women that made it so for us, just like they do historically. And in addition to that, we didn't have the opportunity this last year, but usually during Women's History Month, I'll reach out to Alyssa Avila. She was the director, but I know that they got merged with Dirk. I've had her come in the past and speak to our students about like the history of women. And during Sexual Assault History Month, we know that it happens to men too, but you know, just how significant it is and how important it is to be aware of that and not to be a bystander, to be an advocate for women and to understand that. We do our best to make sure that our male students know that it's okay to be a man and to define what type of man you are. However, understand that the women in our lives, the women on campus, they've done so much for us and that everything we do needs to be excellent because it's a reflection of their effort. So we do make sure that they're aware of that. I'm sure we could always be doing better, just like everybody, right? <laughs> but to that end, we had female students who just kind of show up to our events or they'll hang out in our center and we never turn them away. They're like, hey, you are comfortable. That means we're doing a good job because we're creating a space where it's all male dominated, but we still have female students who are just kind of hanging out and just feel comfortable. They don't feel uncomfortable in our space, which is, I feel like, indicative to the conversation, the direction that we're hoping to go with our department. We want to create a space where everyone's comfortable, of course. It's very nice to hear that you guys are very including. What advice would you give to CSUF students that feel alone and are asking themselves the question, what does it mean to be a man? Wow, that, that's a heavy question. You know, I, now I, that's excellent. I mean, what does it mean to be a man? 
And, you know, I'm glad you actually asked me that because that's actually one of the names of my programs every year in the fall. What does it mean to be a man? And the simple answer is there is none. It being a man is how you define it for yourself. Yes, there are social norms and social pressures of how to be, how to dress, how to act. But ultimately, you're a man if you're a man. That's, you know, that's what it comes down to. It's not about being tough. It's not about being stoic but withholding emotions. You know, we think of a typical masculine presence. We think of like a tall, either angry or incredibly decisive man, usually muscular or has a lot of body mass. Like one of the best descriptions I like to think of of a man is Mr. Incredible. Like that, because I don't know if you know this fun fact. I, I looked it up because I did a presentation a couple years back. You know, Mr. Incredible's six, seven. He's, yeah, he's huge. Yeah. yeah. So Mr. Incredible in both the first and second films, he's the perfect explanation of, I don't want to say necessarily toxic masculinity, masculinity from a bygone age. He's an antiquated perspective of masculinity and they did a good job of making sure that's what he was. I like him as an example of the perception that young men in particular are given. You know, even for myself, mass to be masculine, meant to be tall, meant to be white, meant to be, you know, super fit, buff even. And if we're talking about a young man of color, does not mean, I mean like for myself, I'm a short dude. Like you can't see it in Zoom. I'm like 5'3 when I get my eight hours. Like I'm, I'm tiny. Okay, so, <laughs> so you can imagine when I was growing up and having that image in my head, I felt like there was something wrong with me being black or kind of nerdy guy. Like for someone who doesn't meet those demographics, those specific characteristics, I would say, what about yourself do you appreciate? What about yourself do you enjoy that you respect? And what makes you happy about yourself? And those are hard questions to ask. But the reality is you need to be able to look in the mirror and say that I love the man that I am. And that is such an easy thing for me to say, but to do is incredibly difficult. The other thing I would say is come join MSI. <laughs> like it is, and it's shameless, like I don't care because we explore those concepts and the beauty of our space. This is going to be the continuation of that shameless one. <laughs> beauty of our space is not only do we have these workshops, which I facilitate and discuss with our students, but the conversation doesn't stop with me. It doesn't stop at the end of our sessions, whatever, because we have a center now and our students are constantly talking about that. Our students are constantly challenging each other. Like it'll start out as a joke, like, oh, that's kind of toxic masculinity. And they'll be like, no, it's not. No. And then I hear rich debate, both sides of the topic. And at the end of the day, the students walk away with like, I have my perspective, but I see where you're coming. That I feel is more important and richer than anything we could do. What we do more than anything is we equip our students with tools to start conversation so that way they can do their own research. So that way they can connect to their own values. And so that way they can have those dialogues, which are critical in the development of the people that they're discussing and in themselves. So I would say two things, short and simple. One, join MSI. Do ask yourself, what kind of man do you want to be? And how does that align with who you are already? And the way that you're allowing your students to make their own decisions, as well, it's like you're pushing them in a direction to think of their own narratives. However, you're not saying that there's a step-by-step -step guide to figure out how to be a man. Exactly. It has to be something that you find internally. You find your internal worth. And that's, that's so fascinating. Yeah. Like, I would love to be in the room to just like, hear men debate about toxic masculinity. Just so curious about that idea. Like this this idea just fascinates me. The young men in our space are random and I love them to death because it's not like we ever say, hey, topic for the day. It comes from out of nowhere sometimes. They'll be talking about politics. They'll be talking about video games. They'll be talking about anime. They'll be talking about whatever is on their mind and they'll be like, that's such a toxic representation of masculinity. And someone will be like, how? How is And then it just goes off. It is genuinely a treat to be in the space. Um, and if you ever have the chance, Mirabella, I strongly, probably encourage you to come stop on by. We usually have snacks and our students are really friendly. Kind of going back to a point before, our students are so good at just being inclusive. I'm biased and I don't care who's hearing this. We have the best students on campus. Fight me. That's
That's a hill I'm willing to die on. Men have been accustomed to performing masculinity and right. feeling pressure to conform certain types of behaviors such as pretending to feel strong, confident, and tough, mm -hmm. and hiding their true human weaknesses and suffering in secret in order to feel validated and resist rejection by their peers. How does the MSI teach men to embrace their weaknesses, open up, and become vulnerable with each other and the rest of the world? Well, that's like not a heavy question at all. <laughs> that was, oh, wow. Okay. The one that is the most effective in my opinion is we use the retreat because at the retreat, our brother to brother retreat, we set the tone early on. Like this is going to be heavy. This is not an easy experience. It is an emotionally taxing and an emotionally draining experience. In recent years, we've had to give trigger warnings to let students know. And we ease them into that because we'll talk about lighter topic. Like what's an example of an injustice you've seen? How has that affected you? How has that affected your family? We'll have like lighter conversations like that. And then we inevitably go off the deep end and we talk about you and we keep pushing and it's not to be cruel but a lot of times some of our students have walls that they know about and they have walls that they don't know about and our goal is to help them we're not going to save any student's life in three days that's just not going to happen but the goal is to expose them to themselves so that way they can engage and be able to be the fullness of their self and one of the things that really helps us with that is we are very fortunate to have a liaison to caps who is very dedicated he's very dedicated to his role in supporting MSI. Najee, you're the man. Shout out to Najee. But so we'll start off with something simple like that. And then depending on the year, because we alternate, we'll do one of two activities. And this happens on the second day of the retreat. And we either do what's called the privilege walk, or we'll do a modified version of an activity called step to the line. And both activities are incredibly heavy. So the privilege walk is basically helping our students understand that while they're all brothers, while they're all men of color, they've had different lives. And that those differences, those lived experiences have still all brought them to the same place and that there should not be any difference between them as brothers in our program. It's this idea to teach humility for some students and to empower others. How the privilege walk works is we have a list of questions. I was not the inventor, but the list of questions is basically you take a step forward if it applies to you. Like it gets really real. It starts out with simple stuff like take a step forward if you grew up with your own bedroom. So students will take step forwards and then students who don't, they where they're at. Simple questions like that. But then it gets heavy. It's like, take a step forward if you were raised by both of your parents. Take a step back if you weren't. So what ends up happening when we get to the very, very end, because again, MSI, despite what is generally believed, we are not a low-income scholarship program. We are a merit-based scholarship program. So what happens at this privilege walk is you'll see students spread out. You'll have the inevitable students who come from, I don't want to say necessarily wealthy, but you know, well-off families all the way in the front. And you'll have students who came from very incredibly challenging background very far in the back and then we just have them sit in that for two minutes and take a look wow. and they're not allowed to talk during this entire experience first it's kind of funny then after it hurts no matter where you end up it hurts because students who came from very wealthy early on in the retreat bonding with someone who grew up very poor and then it hits them like oh man i've had a darkly different life than this individual and so what we'll do after that is we split them up by sections and we just talk about what it's meant to get to this what does it mean to be a brother in the space and just we keep unpacking. So that's the privilege walk. Step to the line is basically it's a similar concept except we get masking 
tape and we put it in the middle of a space with the students up and they stand on each side and it's like step to the line if you've ever gone to sleep hungry stay on the line if it happened more than once again this is a silent activity now the difference is in this activity after we get to the end of the list we open it up the students can say whatever they want so that's when students start feeling their vulnerability and their fear and they'll say something out loud and they'll step to it for themselves it's so heavy you got students breaking down tearing up because again they had walls that they didn't realize they had now usually after that we have a debrief of both of those activities and then we give the students usually like an hour or an hour and a half to themselves we also do something called affirmation bag which is one of my all-time favorite things an affirmation bag is basically we give them like a brown lunch bag you know from like elementary school they write their name on it and all an affirmation bag is for is you're meeting people for the first time a lot of you're bonding with people you don't really know and if you heard someone say something or you had a profound experience based on a story that was shared you write thank you or i value just something positive and you put it in their bag and keep it moving it's anonymous and at, at the end of the retreat you should be able to walk away with a handful of affirmations if not more in your bag after being so vulnerable for so long just know that you were heard and you have support doesn't matter who it's from but just know that you're support. and we close out the second night of the retreat with the power of storytelling and counter narratives i set the tone because i don't believe in asking people to be vulnerable without displaying that vulnerability so i'll talk to the students about my lived experiences and the different things i went through and the hardships i faced in high school and undergrad everything it's taken to get to this place usually people are bawling i will say mirabella it has not been an easy journey to get here so like i like to come off as happy-go-lucky with my students not let them think anything bothers me but when i open up to them and let them know like that took work that didn't come naturally i wasn't gifted this opportunity it took everything i had to get here and even at certain points in my professional experience that hasn't been enough you know the students break down and they feel it and so then they'll share their thing and it's a really powerful night because you got people talking about things that they probably felt like they'd never say out loud that they'd probably die keeping to themselves such powerful stories you got these young men bawling their eyes out because all they ever wanted was to be able to tell somebody that it sucks it hurts i'm tired and i just want somebody to care about me that's the feeling you get that's the emotion you get that's the fire you get from the stories that you hear and <laughs> it's a heavy heavy night but the next day we have a presentation by a guest speaker to close us out we have somebody who identifies as a member of the lgbt community because we do have you know a number of brothers in our space that identify as members of the lgbtqia community and we wanted to let them know that they're supported so we close out with that it's a lot of tears and we come back from the retreat and we joke and i hate this wording but the students say we're high on msi like I, <laughs> and the rest of the year you will see it is night and day from when the students arrive especially our first year freshmen it is night and day from when they first arrive to when they go to the retreat and come back because you have some reserved soft-spoken individuals who probably wouldn't share anything about their lives with anybody in that center and you walk in and you're like how the heck did these guys meet in college the way that they interact and engage feels like they've known each other for years and it's that retreat it's magic all i know is it works that's all i know so you let yourself be vulnerable with them to showcase that it's okay to do that right and another thing that i wrote down was i just want someone to care about me and that's such a part of the human experience exactly care about you it's something that we all want but are so terrified to admit and talk about no matter what your race gender sexual orientation we all just want to be cared about and loved and thought about and respected and it's just awesome that that msi gives that space and that the retreat creates the brotherhood that's what it sounds like that's where it comes from honestly i find that the men in my life find it extremely difficult to ask for help i've noticed that men feel a certain type of need to 
do things on their own. However, the most successful people in life have a long list of people who have helped them create success. How can men combat this fear of ask for help? Well, that's difficult. There's a number of things that contribute to that. It's subliminal in a lot of our media. I mean, even though that social media has helped to kind of combat some of that by showing like, you know, it's okay for men to ask for help. Just general like consumption of media just kind of projects this. It's also a socialization that has been enacted for centuries. Talk about how toxic and hyper masculinity is a negative thing. And I'm not rebuking that. But what I am saying is it's not something that's going to go away overnight, especially something that's been so ingrained and not just in American society, right? Like in the world for centuries, I think because of that, there's this expectation that if you're a man, you figure it out. And if you can't, you're weak. You're not a man. There's this culture of emasculating men for not just having all the answers, for not knowing all the answers. It's frustrating because I feel like a lot of people want to ask for help, but they feel like they can't. That's just a general broad stroke. Two of the things that come up a lot in our space, typically students bring this up, is for black men, the expectation to be dominant, to be fierce, to not show any inkling of any emotion. Students bring up machismo because we do have a lot of Latinx students in our program and they talk about how machismo just negatively impacts their experience. We have some students who are very confident as young straight men, but maybe they are not a masculine presence in a room when they walk in. They're just a guy. <laughs> so I would say the best way to get it going is asking themselves first, why am I not asking for help? I will tell you when I was a young man, very much fell into that notion of I got to figure it out. I got to figure it out. I love to challenge my students. Like, why wouldn't you ask for help? And they say, I don't know. It's like, okay, if you don't know why you wouldn't, then you should. Don't feel like you can't ask for help because even when they go out into the real world, and even if there is this culture of like, you know, you're a man, you need to figure it out. It is up to each one of them to alter that culture. That should not be the norm. Men should be able to ask for help. Let's get real. I am sad and I need help. At the core of it, that's what I want my students to be able to do. And I know we're doing a good job there. No one has all the answers. Right. Absolutely no one. No matter how successful you are, everybody's just doing their best. And that's something that we all have to remember. How do you think our audience can uplift the men in their lives, encourage vulnerability, and support male success? Excellent. So I think one of the best things to do by starting and realizing specifically for our faculty and staff that are listening that supporting men of color is not MSI's responsibility. It is an institutional responsibility. It is Cal State Fullerton's responsibility. We just happen to be the purveyors of knowledge. We happen to be the experts. Supporting and retaining our men of color, that is the first and foremost thing that has to happen. And I will say, I have seen this being recognized. Just the acknowledgement by the faculty that here's a student who is struggling that probably needs community and support. Even small gestures like that helps improve the situation because then it shows our department is being recognized by the institution again as the purveyors of knowledge and support but it is still a team effort how do you think other students can help as well i feel like just develop that dialogue and that understanding you don't necessarily have to 100 agree with what's happening but as long as you're willing to accept that there's another side or another perspective to whatever's happening that's significant students being more willing to have the conversations to learn and being open-minded is going to be so powerful because as they're learning and growing and having these dialogues ideally they'll learn about the why and how it's necessary how do you think students can be more educated about supporting conversations about dismantling toxic masculinity and supporting male success going to the dark spaces attending some of their workshops in conjunction with attending msi workshops i would also say attend the allyship because i think the allyships are a great resource that we have on campus and 
I don't know that a lot of other campuses have that. As far as students are concerned, I would say try to have an open mind, attend these different programs, because the beauty of it is we aren't the only program on campus does things for masculinities. There's actually a lot of resources on campus that explore masculinity and supporting men of color. We are just one of the bases. Keep your eyes open and get a lot of insight and grow as an individual. You made a comment previously about how you're a young woman and you don't know anything about masculinity. That's not true. You grew up in the same world that young men your age did as well. So you see it too. And, and again, I'm not an expert on gender and masculinity. I'm not. I know what I know specifically for my job. But my previous supervisor, he part of his PhD, he got like a minor in women and gender. One of the things he used to help me learn is that masculinity along with femininity exists on the spectrum. We all exude masculine traits and we all exude feminine traits. And neither is greater or lesser. Just as I have feminine traits, you have masculine traits. We both have the capacity to carry both. So I think it's just understanding what is a healthy level and what is hyper and what is non-existent, I guess. <laughs> One of the reasons why I became so interested in this topic is because I was extremely oblivious to the struggles of men in general because mm -hmm. my dad is Latino mm -hmm. and as a Latino, there's a lot of machismo in this yeah. and he never really presented the idea that something was wrong ever. As a female, I always thought men always had all the answers that right. I had to like submit to male ideals because of that. And now doing more research, I see that men do have emotions. They do yeah. have struggles. Yeah. They do have weaknesses. And as a society, we have to give them a hug and be like, it's fine, man. We can just play Minecraft, man. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. We can just do it together. Have some boba. It'll be great. Oh, like, it right? Like that. I feel like that's just so important. I think you touched upon something that's just absolutely powerful. And it's that toxic masculinity and hyper-masculinity does not just affect men. It affects women as well. And I experienced this myself. And I've seen my students experience this. I've seen this in my personal life, friends and colleagues experiencing this, that hyper-masculinity and toxic masculinity can be perpetuated by women. It can be. With this expectation of, like you said, men have all the answers. So I had to say, so as a more developed man, I've definitely been in a situation where I was like, I don't know. And had a partner in the past who was like, why don't you know? You're supposed to know. You're the man. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. That didn't come with my man or manual. It's a, it's a very serious thing where like hyper-masculinity, again, can be perpetuated by women. And it's not necessarily a fault unto their own. It's the socialization of the expectation based on men. And media, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to acknowledge your growth in that because I feel like some people don't really understand that they're doing it and that they are contributing to it. And by contributing it, it makes it harder for young men and men of any age to be able to say like higher. That sometimes that's all it is. Those can open up the floodgates of other feelings and emotions. It's also just be ready for that. So powerful as well. Like just admitting your weaknesses in general. Yep. Like coming from an immigrant family, both my parents are immigrants. You're always taught that you should never show or talk about weaknesses. And I find it so strong or like impressive when I come into a male environment. Recently, I just met, made a couple male friends that were telling me that they call each other out, that they talk about issues exactly the way that the MSI does, that they have these debates all the time about toxic masculinity. And I was so impressed with the way that they were like, yes, of course we talk about our emotions. That's not a question. That's something that we do all the time. And I was so impressed and amazed because that's even difficult for me as a female. You know, females are said like, oh, we're supposed to be emotional. I've never felt like a very emotional woman, very to be vulnerable. I've never felt like that because Russian, so I'm half Russian and half my oh. um, Yeah. So my mom is, is Russian and you know, Soviet Union, you weren't supposed to have emotions. Like who, <laughs> emotions, I, you never heard of her. So that's something that I came from and I felt very masculine because of that. But now I realize that you're right. It is a spectrum and we all just have to find our middle ground or if we don't want to be in a middle ground, whatever is best for 
us. Truly. Right. The most important thing, Marabella, is are you okay with being Marabella? That's the most important. Because just as like, why isn't it okay for men to be emotional? Why does every woman have to be fragile and overly emotional? Why that the perceived norm? I've always seen women as powerful. Glad that you're you're able to like really see that and understand that like there is nothing wrong with Marabella being Marabella. That's the most important thing. Modern society, success is often depicted as monetary, aka how much money you can make, how high of a position you obtain, a lot of hustle culture, which is extremely prominent on social media. How does the MSI teach students to find their own definition of success and create steps to achieve it? Oh man, you kind of just answered the question in, in your own. Like that's one of the earliest things. What does success mean for you? You know, we have those conversations, like what would it look like? And some students talk about, oh, it means having a house, a car, family, you know, wife, kids, all that stuff, or a partner, having my own fashion line. One student said, uh, having my own business. Really what it comes down to, I challenge my students to remove the monetary value to success for themselves and just ask, let's transition success to happiness. What would make you happy in this life? And now that's the question that folks struggle with, especially because social media does a phenomenal job of showing us what our lives could be like if we had all of Bezos' money. All of it. Like there's nothing I love more than those Instagram and TikTok videos of here are 10 places you need to go to before you're 30. And I'm 29. So for me, I'm like, really challenge our students to not fall into that because it's such an attractive trap to have money, to have a beautiful partner, to have the ability to have haters. Such an appealing lifestyle to have. But we really just ask our students, you know, remove the monetary, remove the material. What would make you happy? And that's how you should measure your success. And it gets real. But some of our students are like, be able to take care of my parents because they gave me everything. So if I can make just enough money to be able to, when they retire, make sure that they have a good life, that would make me happy. Some students are like, my parents struggled to give me everything. So if I can have kids and make sure they never went without or to be a good person, like being a good person would be successful to other people. So by asking them to remove the monetary, we find that our students are far more closer to being altruistic than they are to being selfish. Like, I'm really glad you mentioned the hustle mentality and the hustle culture because it's so dangerous. And I'm not knocking it because for some people, it's about the run, you know, you're the bag, all that stuff. I will say that because some of our students, they're doing it. They're full-time students, they work and they have a side hustle. And to them, I just said, sure, you're taking time for yourself. Like we just make sure our students are taking time to care about themselves. You know, how am I doing? Like do check-ins with yourself. Yes, you're achieving your goals. Make sure you're happy about it. It's an uphill battle, especially for our men of color. So I think the best way to combat it and to make sure that they are moving towards success is having a quality life. And the beauty of a quality of life is it's your quality. There's not a standard. We have one student who started a nonprofit during the pandemic and he got $50,000 donated. Now it's a sustainable nonprofit. They gave masks to low-income areas. I was like, dude, you took 28 units this term. When did you have time to start a nonprofit? Like I work full time and I'm, I'm burnt out. I was like, ah, you know, whatever. It, it was just something to do. And I was like, okay. <laughs> He's phenomenal. To make a long story short, just making sure that their quality of being is at least apparent to them. Because I don't want to say it's high because some students, what would give them a quality of life, they just don't have the means. They left is what makes you proud to be a Titan. I would say what makes me proud the most to be a Titan is that Cal State Fullerton, when I graduated from graduate school, they gave me my first chance. They took a chance on me. I've been giving them everything I can since my first day. I have been very privileged and I recognize that. It's not anything but. It is exactly a privilege to be able to work in MSI. It has been a life's goal and a life's dream to be able to support men of color. As soon as I was involved, I was like, I gotta do this. This is what I'm supposed to do with my life. And I've been very privileged to be able to work for a department that allows me to do just that. That's what makes me proud to be a Titan. That's so fantastic. Thank you so much for this amazing 
interview. I feel like I learned a lot and I, I truly appreciate your time. I know that you're super busy. So it was amazing meeting you. So thank you so much for your time, your effort, just being so vulnerable as well. And mm -hmm. I can't wait for people to hear this because I think that just talking about masculinity is a conversation that we all need to have, especially as women, well, for me as a woman and just for society in general. So would you like to plug any of your social media? Yes, I would. Uh, thank you very much. Two, I'd like to plug. I'd like to plug the MSI account. We post on Instagram a lot and it's at MSI Fullerton. If you follow us, we are proud members of Team Follow Back. So please feel free to find us. And then I just actually created my professional Instagram account. So it's at GW Parker IV. But thank you so much again. Really appreciate it. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much to George Parker for taking the time to come on the CSUF podcast and talk about redefining toxic masculinity. This is a topic that I have been dying to talk about and I am so excited that you got to hear it. Please feel free to share this episode with a friend, a family member, or a man in your life that needs to hear the message that he is not alone. Thank you again to George Parker for calling me out and asking me if I'm okay with being Mirabella. <laughs> is she though? That is definitely something that I will be writing in my journal and getting back to you all on. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode and please feel free to tell us your thoughts on toxic masculinity and about this episode at CSU Official. Don't forget to follow the Male Success Initiative at MSI Fullerton. Well, Titans, that's all I have for this week. I'm going to make this really, really fast. <gasps> stay positive, stay safe, and don't forget to follow at CSU Official on all social media platforms. You can also find coronavirus updates at coronavirus.fullerton.edu. If you'd like to follow me on any of my social media platforms, they are all at Mirabelle Sias. Once again, I'm your host, Mirabelle Sias. <gasps> Signing off! Ah!